Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome back to the second episode of Mountain Miles. Uh, today, well, I mean, it's it's actually dumping snow out here right now, so I was gonna do some snow stuff, but um, I had a buddy text me, and he, you know, he wanted to talk. He wanted me to talk about something specific. You also have to bear with me. I'm uh, pouring up a beer right now. I haven't had a chance to go to the store yet, so I grabbed a beer straight out of the fridge. But good news is it's a it's a good one. So uh, today going to be knocking down a Breckenridge Brewery Vanilla Porter. Gotta love those fine Colorado ales. This one's actually uh, from Breckenridge Brewing Company out of Littleton, Colorado. Um, you know, you say Breckenridge, everybody thinks, you know, oh man, Breckenridge, Colorado. You know, there's, that's 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 top notch. That's top notch, like mountain country right there. Um, the brewery is actually down in a little suburb of Denver called Littleton, uh, which is actually where the uh, the fun part of today's episode is going to take place. Oh, I can't go wrong with vanilla porter, man. Uh, it's better on nitro. Uh, if you can get it on nitro, it's ten times better. Um, I absolutely love it. Uh, just remember, if you get it on nitro, definitely throw it down with a hard pour. Um, but yeah, Breckenridge Vanilla Porter, definitely recommend it. It's one of my all-time faves. Um, so my buddy, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of jump right into it. Uh, episode two here. So my buddy, I had a buddy, you know, he sent me a text and... Um, you know, he, he wanted me to talk about, um, a descent, like descending down a mountain, um, on my bike. Uh, one that was, you know, that was, you know, whether you want to call it, um, uh, well, he said an ascent or a descent, I guess that was memorable, uh, to me in a significant way. Um, kind of interestingly enough, um, the second I read that, I immediately had one in mind, um, just because it was a, it was an, it was a rather interesting day. Uh, so we'll just kind of jump into it. Like I said, uh, we'll start out it, you know, it was a, it was a nice, nice sunny day. Uh, I was, I was down in Colorado. Um, and me and my dad were, were getting ready to go for a ride, you know, and you know, it was, it was his birthday too. So it was, you know, birthday morning ride, you know, for him and, you know, it's a good day. And so we, we decided, you know, we're going to go do Squaw Pass. Uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar with Squaw Pass and some of these roads in Colorado. So Squaw Pass is, uh, is a rather, is a rather large route that we like to do. And, and it's got quite a bit of elevation gain. Um, and it's 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 pretty it gets pretty intense. Um, so you just you know when it when it comes to things like that you know we're we're always super careful with we're always super careful with the things that we do anyway um, when it comes to riding. But you know Squaw Pass is is one of those rides that's you know it's it's if you're not prepared for it 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 can be pretty fuck you. Um, so the whole ride um, that we do is, you know, just over 37 miles. 
um, start to finish uh, at about 40, 4,100 feet of elevation gain, uh, give or take a little bit. Uh, the crazy thing with it is you start out at just at, you know, 7,000 feet. And then, you know, you peak just over 11,000 feet, you know, all above sea level. And it's, you know, it's, the air gets thin really quick. Um, you know, and what we generally do is we'll ride from uh, Evergreen Parkway in Evergreen, Colorado. We'll ride up through Squaw Pass um, up to uh, Echo Lake, uh, the Echo Lake Lodge, which is just at the base of Mount Evans. Um for those of you that don't know, Mount Evans, I believe, is still the highest paved road in America. It's like 14,270 feet, something like that. Um, but yeah, so um, max elevation for Squaw Pass is 11,162 feet. Uh, so it's, it's, it's up there. Um, and the air is super thin, you know, and... and if you're if you live in Colorado, you're from Colorado, you kind of know that, you know, five thousand feet through, you know, seventy five hundred feet is is relatively average. Most people are just normal, comfortable day to day lives in that at that elevation out there. But you know, you start hitting eight thousand feet, you can you can feel the change in elevation when you're trying to breathe. Um, so, you know, we we decided morning ride. You know, let's let's get out there. Let's go conquer Squaw Pass. Say, let's have a good day. Um, you know, like I said, we do take a lot of precautions when it comes to cycling. So, you know, we we wear road IDs. Uh, road ID is basically says who you are, uh, a couple emergency contacts, and um, I mean, I put my I put what I'm allergic to on it just in case I'm unconscious and I crash or something like that. Uh, it makes it easy for anybody that you know needs to any medical personnel looks at it, they're like, oh, great, he's allergic to this or he's got this medical condition. Um, they're, they're absolutely great. Um, they make them in a bunch of different ways. You know, we, like I wear, I wear like a sport band kind of one. They make them, they go on your Apple Watch. Um, they make them, they go on your shoe. You know, I mean, they, they make a, a bunch of different ways. They're great. They even make, they make them for dogs and stuff like that. It's awesome. Um, and a bunch of different sizes. Road ID is awesome. Um, and then, of course, you know, we have our, our cycling computers. So uh, I use the Garmin Edge Explorer. Uh, my my dad uses the Garmin Edge. I want to say he uses, like, the 530 or 8 something. I, I don't know. Uh, Garmin Edge, one of those. Um, but the cool thing with these is that, number one, if you get into a crash it has a list of emergency contacts that it automatically alerts, letting them know that you've been in an accident on your bike. Um, so it's definitely one of those I highly recommend if, if you're if you're a cyclist or anything like that um, and you do ride on the road, uh, it's definitely something to have. Uh, be careful, they are pretty sensitive. Uh, we have had some times where you slam on your brakes and it actually starts the countdown to alert people. Um, so if you don't actually, if you don't actually stop it, it will alert. Um, and I'm pretty sure it also sends an alert to the authorities as well, letting them know, like, hey, this person's been in an accident. And because it is a GPS, it gives them a it gives them a location of where you're at, which is kind of cool. Um, the other thing that we have um, are the the lights. So the cycling lights that we have, uh, they have radar in them. 
so they can actually detect oncoming vehicles. So if you're riding and you got a vehicle coming up from behind you, uh, I think it's I think it's like 100 yards or something like that. It'll tell you when a vehicle's approaching. So that way you can just kind of be aware that there is a vehicle coming from behind you. And, you know, if you needed to scoot over a little bit or um, just to give you the heads up that there is a there's a car right there. Um, so, you know, we do we do have quite a few things that are quite a few things that are, you know, helpful when it comes to the safety of cycling and, you know, and of course, um, we generally tend not to cycle on super busy roads. Um, so, you know, Squaw Pass is one of those. It's, it's never really super busy, especially during the summer. You see more cyclists than you do cars, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but I guess that's pretty common in a lot of places out in Colorado during the summer. You see more cyclists than cars mostly. Um, so anyways, you know, we, we get out there and it's, it's a, it's a somewhat windy day. It's not terrible. Um, and you know, I, I ride an endurance bike. Um, whereas my dad rides, uh, an aero bike, um, aero, obviously aerodynamic. Um, but the kicker with his bike is that, uh, the bike that he had at the time had some relatively deep dish wheels on it. So, you know, they're, they had some, some weight behind it, or I wouldn't say weight cause they're super light. Um, but they were, they were definitely a little deeper. So, you know, wind catches them a lot easier. It's almost like catching a sail. Um, so, you know, we were, we were getting ready and we kind of geared up and got ready to go. And we got out there kind of early and it was nice and catching that crisp morning that crisp morning, you know, ascent up the mountain, you know, we do our, our sweet ride up and then, you know, we get to Echo Lake Lodge. Um, and, and one of the things that I don't know if he ever anticipated this, but that's one thing. And I'll, I'll always make sure he's aware that I will always be able to climb a mountain better than that man on a bike always. And that could be an age thing, but don't let it fool you. Uh, the dude is still a beast. Um, you know, he is, he can, that, that dude can ride a bike and it's like he, it's like his muscles never get tired. So he can just constantly go. So, you know, riding, we get up, you know, towards that Echo Lake Lodge area and, you know, we, we stop, we have our little break, you know, throw down with, uh, with like a quick little snack. Normally it's, you know, the, you know, like the scratch energy chews, um, you know, fill up on some water. Um, or we do the, uh, like a, like a, like a cliff bar or scratch actually makes a, scratch makes a bar. That's actually pretty good. I like that one a lot. Um, uh, but yeah, just kind of, you know, refill on some water. Cause you know, you about to, about to go 18, 18 and change miles back the next, you know, back back up that mountain and then back down the other side. Um, so, you know, we, we have our little break and, you know, we can feel the wind and stuff, but it's not terrible, you know, but we can feel it. So, you know, we decided, okay, we'll take it a little slower on the way back just because, I mean, the wind can get, the wind can get severe. And especially if you're not off the mountain by a certain time, you can get caught in thunderstorms and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, we, we come back up the other side and, you know, I, like I said, I, I normally, when I get in my zone, I've got my music playing and I, I get in my zone and I'm just riding and I don't really, I'm not trying to keep anybody else's pace. I'm doing my own pace and 
you know, I, I tend to zone out. And especially if I've got the right playlist going, um, I mean, I can zone out and I can kind of crank up that mountain. So that's what I did. I ended up uh, getting up to the peak and then started my descent. Um, once I started my descent, you know, I mean, there's there's times on that descent. Um, I mean, if I look at the if I look at the analytics of that descent, uh, there was a, a couple points that I was I was clearing 48 miles an hour, you know, and you're talking 48 miles an hour on a bike like that, you know, you you feel the speed, you can feel it, and it's fast, and you definitely want to be careful, especially. Because there are other cars on that road, so you have to be careful. You can't necessarily apex the turns like you would. Um, sorry about that. Drop my pen. Uh, you can't necessarily apex the turns like you would. Um, otherwise, if there were no cars on the road, um, you have to be careful because one thing they, one thing that they do a lot of in Colorado is they, they, they sand and salt these roads, uh, especially during the winter. Um, and it will snow. It will snow up at that elevation all year round. Uh, there's been times my dad and I went up to Mount Evans uh, just for like a day trip, and it was August. It was August 1st, and we got snowed on. Um, so don't let it fool you with that elevation. You know, it, it, it can still snow. Uh, so they constantly are salting and, and sanding these roads. So you have to be very careful because obviously salt, sand, and gravel on the roads is very dangerous when, when cycling and, and riding down a mountain, especially at high speeds. So, you know, I, I start going down and... You know, I was cruising. It felt really good. The roads were super clear. Um, got down to the base. Came across the highway. Got back towards the park and ride, which is where, where my dad's truck was. And, you know, I got there and I was kind of waiting around for a little bit. And I knew I was ahead of him. I didn't know how far, but I knew I was ahead of him a little bit. Got back and I, you know, I, I waited for a minute. I didn't, I didn't see him. And I was like, all right, well... This is rather interesting. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, my, my phone rings. Um, my phone's kind of Bluetooth connected to my helmet. Uh, so, you know, the, I can, I hear my phone, I hear my ringtone going off my helmet. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. So I'm fiddling around trying to get my, my phone out of my, out of my cycling pocket in my, in my, in my jersey. And I pull it out, some random number. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Cause it was some random, you know, some random Colorado number. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I don't, I don't, shouldn't have any. Colorado numbers in my phone, you know, whatever. So, uh, I just let it go. Let it go to voicemail. I was like, if it's important, they'll leave a voicemail. Well, that same number called back immediately. I was like, all right, well, that's interesting. So I answered it, you know, hello, some random guy on the phone is like, Hey, yeah. Um, I'm sitting here with your dad. He crashed. I was like, Oh shit. All right. Well, <laughs> where are you? Um, so they're about three miles back up Squaw Pass, so not very far. Um, far enough to where after, you know, 37-plus miles and over 4,000 feet of elevation gain starting at, you know, 7,000 feet above sea level, um, my legs were looking at me like, uh, dude, no, you're not riding back up three miles. It's going to take forever. Well, here's a kicker. My dad had the keys of the truck. So I couldn't just drive back up there. So now I'm like, well, shit. Um, so I, of course, I started uh, trying to figure out. Well, thankfully, there's a there's another gentleman there that had just descended down, and he was kind of getting all hooked up in in his vehicle, you know. And I just asked him real quick, 
hey, my dad just crashed on his bike. Can you give me a ride up to this location? Um, and of course, you know, this is, this is right in the midst of COVID. So, you know, he was super hesitant at first um, because obviously he didn't want a stranger in his car. And at this point I was, I was getting frustrated because I was, you know, I, I understand and I'm, I'm all about, you know, safety and things like that, especially during a pandemic. But at the same time I was like, Hey, like my dad crashed his bike descending down a mountain at who knows what speed. And it was obviously bad enough to where some random person had to call me based on his road ID. Um, so I was getting frustrated, but the guy's like, Oh yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give you a ride up there. Um, I was like, okay, great. Uh, about halfway up, uh, dude calls me back and says, hey, somebody just actually picked your dad up. They're taking him down the mountain. Uh, they're going to take him back down to the, you, you know, your guys' truck and stuff. And I was like, okay, great. So the guy turned around. Um, obviously, it's good enough. They were able to get him in the back of the vehicle. Um, but still bad enough to where it's not like he was able to contact me. So we get back down, and, and he they just pulled up and you know, it was funny. His first, his first and foremost concern was, I hope my bike's not damaged, uh, which was absolutely hilarious. You know, now that I think about it, it's really funny because, uh, I didn't really give a shit about his bike. They could have left it up there. It could have gotten ran over by a semi truck. I wouldn't have given a shit. Um, I was concerned with the fact that um, his arm was hanging down, you know, and he couldn't lift it um, because his collarbone was broken, Um, which, you know, it's like the most common cycling injury is a broken collarbone just because of how you fall, and it happens. So, you know, we, we get down this mountain, and sitting there and he's outside the truck and you know he's in pain he's in a lot of pain uh obviously we weren't about to wait for an ambulance so you know we loaded up the bikes loaded him in the truck and immediately drove to the emergency room um so mind you where we're at in the emergency room that we were going to uh because this was like his birthday was on like a sunday you know so um we're we're zooming in and we get into the emergency room and you know, obviously we're, we're wearing cycling things, you know, that's, that's the spandex, man. That's the, that's the padded shorts and, you know, the jerseys, all the tight fitting clothes. That's, that's what that is. So we get in there, we get checked in and, you know, obviously it's a Sunday. So thankfully there was really nobody in there. They immediately get him back and they take him back for some x-rays and stuff. And, you know, they give him something for the pain and, you know, he's, he's in relatively good spirits. It's just, you know, obviously it's painful. Um, and of course they come back and, you know, they pull up these pictures and his collarbone was broke, broke, not just broken, but fucking broken. Like his collarbone was jacked up. Um, so, you know, obviously they gave him stuff for the pain and they're like, Hey, you know, it's a collarbone. So, there's actually nothing we can really do for a collarbone. Uh, come to find out, they can do surgery, but surgery for a collarbone is almost pointless. It's really just so that way if you, you know, it's it's really, surgery for a collarbone is really only if it's super bad. Um, 
but generally a collarbone will heal on its own. Uh, it just takes a while. So, you know, we, we ended up, we ended up getting done at the ER and they threw him in a sling and gave him some stuff, they gave him some stuff for, for the pain and everything. And, you know, to kind of help him out. And basically they told him like, Hey, you know, for the next 12 weeks, you're just gonna, you're just gonna have to be in a, in a sling and you can't really do much. Uh, you can't move your arm. And then they're like, we're gonna, we're gonna obviously send you to, you know, like a, a, a doctor that specializes in collarbones and stuff to kind of help you out and, and, and get you back, back to your normal self. And, you know, like I said, at the, at this point, he didn't really care. Um, at this point he didn't care at all because, uh, the painkillers had kicked in and, you know, we're talking about a guy that, you know, could break a finger and wouldn't even take Motrin for it. You know, he would just be like, ah, no, it'll be fine. So he's not, he's not used to taking painkillers at all. And so this, they gave him a good painkiller and he, he was done. So it was rather, it was rather funny. Uh, we were kind of laughing about that. Um, but yeah, so we ended up having to, you know, go get all this stuff. And, and of course at this point, you know, they gave him special instructions. They're like, oh yeah, by the way, you have to sleep sitting up. You have to sleep in like a reclining style chair. You can't, you can't sleep in, you know, you, you can't, you can't sleep in, you can't sleep in your bed cause you have to sleep upright. And at this point, you know, we had, we'd gotten back and I think, I can't remember if it was like the first or second night he realized the couch that he had, even though it had reclining chairs, you know, on the ends, he realized that it was not the most comfortable couch you know so he was you know start he he kind of he slept in it for a couple of days um and then you know slowly surely he started to feel a little better and the pain was starting to subside a little bit as long as he kept it still and you know, after a couple of days he was like i can't i can't sleep in this couch i have to get a couch and so i was like okay well let's go couch shopping so that's what we did we ended up going couch shopping um, and it's, and it's kind of funny cause you know, before, before we went shopping, we didn't even just go couch shopping. I mean, he ended up, uh, he ended up getting a new like entertainment center. He ended up getting a new couch, the chair that matched it, the ottoman that went with it. Um, his, his place pretty much went from, from like this bachelor pad to, you know, like a pretty well laid out, well designed, you know, living room area. And it was, it was kind of funny. Um, just kind of seeing the change from the, you know, the, the bachelor pad style, you know, living room to the, you walk in and you go, Oh wow. All right. So he's a classy, he's a classier guy. Uh, so it's kind of funny. And, you know, of course, you know, the day after his accident, he was out checking out his bike and he was like, yeah, you know, I, I made sure when I fell, you know, I fell in a way that my bike wouldn't get damaged. Which immediately told me that he did not care that he broke his collarbone. He was like, oh, no, uh, as long as the bike's fine. And the bike was actually, you know, we we loaded it up on the truck and we took it into the shop. And, you know, the bike was actually, was actually in a lot better shape than we thought. 
um, just because of how he fell and the fact that, you know, his legs took most of the road rash that the bike should have eaten and his collarbone took the brunt of the force. Um, you know, and so we started looking, looking at the analytics from his ride and I'm pretty sure he took that turn, um, doing 25 miles an hour or so, but yeah, so that's actually, you know, after he, we got out, we got done with the hospital and, you know, he kind of started feeling better and stuff and he wasn't, uh, on painkillers. Um, I, I, I was able to, you know, kind of figure out what fully happened. So he was descending down that mountain, um, and as he was descending down, you know, a, he came around, you know, a pretty, a pretty tight turn and he was doing about 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour, which is, which is normal. Anywhere a tight turn like that, 15 to 25, sometimes closer to 30, depending on how you're able to, to make that turn. I mean, that's, that's pretty average when you're descending. So, you know, doing 20, 25 miles an hour is, is normal, but then therein lies the issue is that when he came around just because of the type of bike that he had the wheels that were on it um one gust of wind one gust of wind caught his wheels and took his bike right out from under him um and i mean just immediately went down and arm straight into the pavement you know and and snapped that collarbone um and it's you know, it just goes to show you, like, one small gust of wind, not even anything crazy, uh, can change the entire outcome of that ride. So, you know, we we were able to sit down and kind of talk about it, and he, he was telling me, you know, it, it, he, he started to slow down because he knew it was a windy day. And then he started descending, and he started hitting these, these corners, um... And, you know, like I said, three miles from the truck, it was, I think it was like the last turn. It's really like the last major kind of curve before you hit the straightaway. That's, you know, two and three quarter miles of a straight shot before you get to the highway, you cross the highway to get back. Um, and yeah, it was like the second, second or, you know, at most third to last turn where he just got swept up by wind, you know, and it happens. It's, it's wild to think about because I had, you know, I had just taken, I had just taken those turns, not even, you know, not even 10 minutes before him. I had just taken those turns. Um, and obviously we, our bikes are a little different. They're, the geometry on the bikes is, is fairly different. And, you know, he's got deeper dish wheels and mine aren't quite as deep. So I mean, you know, it's um, it's it's you know, there's a lot of factors that played into that, you know, and I I could feel the wind, but obviously I couldn't feel it the same way he could on his bike, uh, just because of the the way our bikes are designed, you know. So you know, I was able to sit down, like I said, and talk to him, and you know, figure out kind of what happened, and then come to find out that you know that that actually put quite a bit of a quite a bit of a, uh, a, a damper on his, on his cycling, you know, we're talking about going from a guy that rides, I mean, especially during the summer, you know, he rides two, three, four days a week if he can, uh, 
to now, you know, it's June, so it's still relatively the beginning of summer. Um, you know, just taking away his, his ability to cycle all summer long, um, which is, oh man, like that, that ate him alive. Um, so, you know, it was kind of one of those things, you know, like I said, we, we talked about it and figured out, you know, okay, how do we, how do we prevent this? Well, his idea of preventing it. So he doesn't actually do too much up in the mountains anymore as far as cycling. And eventually I'll, uh, I'll convince him to come on this podcast with me and, you know, maybe we can talk about it again and he can, he can kind of share what was going through his mind, um, during that descent, you know, but he doesn't actually do too much of the, uh, the elevation stuff anymore. He, he generally sticks to, uh, sticks to the flatter rides now. And I mean, I say flat and he's still a flat ride to him is still, you know, 1200 feet elevation gain over 26 miles. So, whereas, yeah, that's relatively flat for what him and I used to do, but you know, that, like I said, for him, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty flat. And that's about as flat as he really goes. Um, other than just, you know, like a, Oh, just warming my legs up for the day ride or something like that. Um, you know, so he's kind of catered, his new bikes to that style of riding, you know, and doesn't do too much more of the, doesn't do too much of the climbing anymore and probably won't, you know, I don't, I don't think he'll ever get back into climbing. He just, he just likes being on his bike. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see, see where it goes. Like I said, eventually we'll, we'll, we'll get him on here and we'll, we'll talk about, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more and, you know, we'll go from there. Um, you know, once again, we'll talk about kind of what was going through his mind and and how he felt during that. And, you know, I will say he didn't stop him from, from doing other things. He may have broken his collarbone, but the second the doctor cleared him, I mean, he was back out fly fishing. He was, you know, he was, he was back out on his bike and, you know, doing all these things again. He's just waiting for the doctor to give him the okay. Uh, but yeah, it did. It took, uh, Man, it took 12 weeks. It took 12 weeks to get him back on back on a bike, just how long it took to heal because it was pretty messed up. And, you know, I'm sure it'll, it'll probably always hurt. You know, it'll never, it'll never feel the same again. But, but yeah, that, that's like the most significant descent or ascent that, you know, significant to me anyway just to kind of answer my buddy my buddy's question you know that he asked and like I said it's it's not something that necessarily you know happened to me but being being present for all that and like I said you know my dad just taking a turn during during a descent and breaking that collarbone you know it's it's, it's obviously a day I'll never forget um especially being that it was on his birthday. So, you know, it was kind of funny getting into the ER and they're asking, oh, what's your date of birth? And, and we said it and they're just like looking, they're like, well, happy birthday. You know, so it was definitely an interesting, uh, it was definitely an interesting ride uh, for sure. Um, and then, you know, speaking of, speaking of having guests on, you know, I think the hopes is hopefully next week, 
Um, I've got a, a guest in mind that I'd like to be able to just sit down with and chat with. And this dude's probably got, you know, probably not the, you know, he doesn't have the most experience, but he's got quite a bit of experience, uh, in the, in the cold of the mountains. Um, and it'd be really nice to, to talk to him. And I mean, we're talking, you know, a little bit back, a little bit back in the day. Um, you know, he's a, he's a really good friend of mine and, you know, I, I definitely want to hear about some of his stories, uh, up in the mountains in Alaska or, uh, you know, when he was doing cold weather stuff, um, up in New York, up in upstate New York, you know, I definitely want to, I definitely want to hear about some of his experiences out there. So hopefully we'll get him on, uh, within the next week or so, um, just requires having the time to be able to go out and just chat with him and, you know, seeing, seeing if we can't hear some of his fun mountain experiences. Um, and then of course, uh, any of you guys that listen, just feel free. Um, you can drop us, uh, you can go onto the, you can go on our Instagram page, um, or you can just kind of shoot us an email. We'll go ahead and put, uh, the email in the podcast description. Um, I know that this has just been uploaded to Spotify, so I'm, you know, we're still working on the ins and outs of, of getting everything uploaded and figuring everything out with this. So we'll make sure we'll get, uh, we'll get the email out there. So if you guys have any questions, anything you guys want to, want to hear about, talk about things like that, uh, feel free to drop us a line. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll put the Instagram in there as well. Um, so you guys can, can shoot us a DM there and, and we'll try to do our best to keep everybody updated on everything, um, with upcoming episodes and whatnot. Um, or if you have any beer suggestions, uh, different beers you'd like to hear about, or if you know of any good mountain made beers, um, feel free, you know, let me know. Um, and then, uh, or if you just want to be on the show, give me a, give me a shout and we'll, we'll see what we can't do to get you on. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, so that was, uh, that was a good episode for, for cycling and descending. I mean, you know, I think next week we're gonna, we're gonna stick to this cold weather stuff we got going on because uh it's still snowing outside been snowing all night um got a winter storm advisory going on right now so you know just hanging out staying inside with the dogs keeping warm even though they try to stay outside in the snow um it's because they're they're weird like that um so yeah uh we'll we'll be getting with you guys next week and we'll we'll keep going with uh we'll keep going with the podcast and weekly episodes and you know slowly but surely we'll figure it all out and it won't be so uh so weird um but until then until next week everybody stay warm out there or stay cold if you're up in the mountains um but keep uh keep getting those mountain miles and guys be well